This morning's Bible reading is from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, and this can be found on page 1,151 in your pew Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I will invite the young adults to come up with me if they like. <laughs> Hi there. Anybody have money for this? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. How was everybody today? You missed a fun service last week. We thought of you all. It was fun to have this sanctuary full of animals, wasn't it? Yeah? Um, one of the reasons that I love this morning's scripture is um, that it contains in it I would say maybe the reason that I come to church. And it's, a, it's an, an idea that I think is found throughout almost all organized religions. And in the version that we heard this morning, it talked about the peace that passes understanding. And in other versions, it, the word transcend is used. And transcend is really an interesting word for um, there's a conversation among church people about the difference between pantheism and panentheism. And pantheism means God is in and through all things. Stop. Panentheism means God is in and through all things and then something more. It means that God is bigger than the sum of everything we know. And for me, I believe in panentheism. And for me, that's why this idea of transcendence is so important. Because basically, I think what transcendence says is there is something bigger than us. And when I am at my most peaceful, whether that's here in this church or thinking about this church or thinking about God and what I believe, it's because I can really be comforted by the notion that there is something bigger than me. And there's even something bigger than all of us. Even when all of us get together and do something, especially, I think, when all of us get together and do something, something bigger is added or is present. And for me, that's God. For me, that presence of bigness is what inspires you all to do such interesting and amazing things. 
It's, I think it's what inspires you to have a breast cancer awareness day and have this whole church wear pink. Thank you again for that, by the way. Or it's what inspires you to raise money from the blessing of animal service to give to animals and the creatures that are part of our earthly family. That's why I come to church, because I can't find that at home. I can't find it in a good book. I can't, mm, sometimes I can find it on a beautiful walk in nature, but I can more easily find it here when I look at you all, when I look at my dear friends and family. When I am worried, when I am fearful, when I am upset, I try to come back to that. I try to come back to the notion of transcendence, which is just bigness. That when I am really in myself and connected to God's family and God's presence, there is something bigger. And I'm excited that you all have your entire lives ahead of you to decide for you all what that bigness is. It's already clearly working in your lives, and I'm really excited about it. Will you say a prayer with me? Gracious God, gracious, gracious God, who is in every moment, in every heart, in every life, in every decision, your presence inspires us to be more, to realize that there is a part of us that is outside of our body, and it is the part that connects us to our fellow humans, the creatures that we share the earth with, and the earth itself. We are all connected. Thank you for being that connection and for calling us to be caretakers of it. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm really happy that we had the um, blessing of animals last, last Sunday um, because I wasn't quite ready to say anything about the election and what we're all going through. Um, on election night, I uh, got a, an email from Janine Slatham and all it said was, I don't have words. And that's from somebody who always has words. She's always very wise, and I mean, she'll, she's, she's a font of wisdom. She is. She had no words. And um, I'm glad that this text came up in the lectionary, too, um, because I think it does remind us of who we are. And I think we need to remind ourselves who we are. Um, and elections are rarely easy. Um, one side loses and the other side wins. And uh, just looking back over uh, the time that I've been alive, uh, the 60s was a pretty scary time uh, with the war in Vietnam and all the protests and everything that was going on. And in the 50s, um, race relations and injustice was going on. So um, um, we get in a place occasionally where it's hard to imagine what's going to happen in the future. I mean, routinely that, that's the case, but there are times when it's really, really hard. And I think that's one of those times, no matter uh, who you voted on. I mean, it's, it's something that we, uh, I think we have to uh, get really, really close uh, to what we affirm and what we stand for. And that's what I want to say today. Um, Michelle Obama had a great illustration. She says, when others go low, uh, we go high. And I like that. And I, th I like to think that that's what's, what, what Christianity is all about. 
and why we gather as we do in a congregation and we think about these things and we, we pray for the future. Um, and these are really, really good words uh, to hear uh, this morning. I wasn't ready for it last Sunday, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm not <laughs> um, and I don't want to make it any more dramatic uh, than it needs to be. Um, there is a little bit of relief that all of that is over, but then there's another wave of uh, changes that are uh, coming our way. And I think it's really, really important to come together as we are and just sit with ourselves and uh, think about who we are as the Brea Congregational Church. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a historical fact that the Apostle Paul uh, was in jail when he wrote a lot of his letters, and it's probably the case with this letter to the church at Philippi. He was probably in jail uh, for uh, preaching uh, what he uh, thought was the true message. Uh, and we all kind of look back and, you know, we take it so for granted now that we wonder how he ended up in jail, but it was not at all um, a decisive beginning to Christianity. There was a lot of arguing. There was a lot of going back and forth. Um, and it wasn't until a few, a few centuries after Jesus that uh, the church began to become uh, cohesive around certain ideas about theology. Um, and so here we are almost 2,000 years later. It's just kind of weird that we are 2,000 years after Jesus and kind of a little bit surprised. I think the Apostle Paul would be very discouraged that we were here because he and they uh, were all expecting Jesus to come back uh, during their lifetime. And uh, I think that was probably an unfair expectation. And uh, so often we have expectations that things are going to be easy. And they often aren't easy. And uh, the problem we have is not about the difficulty of what we have to do, uh, but acknowledging that it's difficult and then start thinking about what to do. Uh, how do we as a congregation um, hold dear um, in our lives those uh, qualities and virtues uh, that mean that we are followers of Jesus? And of course, um, a lot of people are uh, reminded that uh, the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew is very, very important because there it summarizes uh, the teachings of Jesus. And after the Beatitudes and a few other teachings, um, Jesus then began to start speaking to some of the more difficult things in our lives, like anger. Uh, what do you do when somebody hurts you, when somebody disrespects you? And so um, Jesus uh, says that um, revenge uh, is not one of those virtues that Jesus would hold up to be dear. Retaliation would not be uh, one of those virtues that Jesus would hold up. Um, and so uh, here we are, a congregation, holding up those values in a time uh, when those uh, Christian values have been so, um, so desecrated uh, that it spins our heads around. We wonder how... Uh, these opposite values can be so embodied in, in who we are as a country. And it has been a very, very vicious, polarizing time that we've been through. And uh, we're kind of in the middle of it. Um, but we've got these words from Paul. 
probably sitting in, in, in jail. He's wanting to send, uh, send his uh, favorite protege, uh, Timothy, uh, to the church at Philippi uh, to carry this letter. Uh, Paul had no idea that it would end up in the New Testament. There was no New Testament back then. These are just letters that Paul had to write to these various churches that he started around that area of Greece, Turkey, and the Middle East. And so here we have a man talking about the power of God made manifest in the life of Jesus and how Jesus became the Christ. Uh, and all, all of that gave him enough hope uh, that he was in a place that it did not matter where he was, he was still going to write these words. And uh, these words were not written when he was comfortable having a cup of coffee one morning. Um, every step of the way he was challenged. Every step of the way uh, he, he got pushback from everything that he said and everything that he did. Um, and all the way to the cross he got pushed. And then the resurrection uh, was meant to be God's affirmation that is not part of the world. And um, Michael was just talking about panentheism, which I was going to go... You, you, you took one of my subjects this morning. And <laughs> but the idea uh, that God is deeply involved in our lives from moment to moment to moment, it, and that is the largeness that is there, that's the extra, uh, and, and that is that God I injects a possibility into the present moment that might not have been there, and we choose. Every moment we choose. And uh, we are reminded of that choice and where those choices come from by the resurrection. And um, it's pretty clear in the Bible uh, that that was God's statement to us, that there is more involved uh, than what we might see in our own lives. Uh, and we all go through uh, very, very difficult times. And I was just sitting with Layla this morning, my granddaughter, uh, coming over here, and she asked about my, uh, my father, and I began to tell her about how poor uh, my father's family was, um, and there were periods in their lives when they had um, many kids, and they had to live in tents uh, somewhere in the forest, and then they moved to another uh, town where they all lived in this little shack, and and going through all of that, and it was a miserable time. And my grandmother, uh, who bore all those children and ended up taking care of them in the middle of nowhere, a very bitter woman, I totally get that. But my dad rem remembers those times as some of the best times in his life. They had this whole playground that they could go out. And, and he was like six, seven years old, and they might be gone for two or three days. And they, they knew where these caves were that they could sleep in, and they would hunt birds and rabbits, and it, it, it was just a wonderful time in his life. And so it just it reminds me that, that historical events don't just present themselves as neutral. Uh, we react to the past in a certain way, um, and the way that we react to, the, to the, the past defines what this moment is and the next moment, and the next moment, and so on. 
And so what Paul does, and this feels a little like a benediction here uh, at the end, and I don't know how he can say rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. He's in prison, and uh, we don't know whatever happened to the Apostle Paul. You know, there are rumors that he was uh, killed in Rome, uh, but we don't really know. He just kind of dropped off uh, the face of the earth after he wrote these letters. And it says, he says, let your gentleness, gentleness be known to everyone. And the Lord is near. He doesn't say the Lord is coming, although in other places he does. But here he says, the Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And oddly, Paul uses some military language here, the idea of guarding, standing guard, um, being vigilant. Uh, the Lord is near, uh, nearer than you might think. And uh, the Lord is always there, nearer than you think. And uh, standing guard in such a way uh, that, yeah, the world might get crazy because that's what the world does. It gets crazy. It goes through these revolutions and ev evolutions and all of these things that happen. Uh, but there is a steadiness in God that we can't get from the world. This idea, this promise that God will be with us every step of life's way was what kept Paul going. And he, there's another story in Acts where, he, again, he's in jail somewhere, and he begins to sing hymns. And he and the jailer uh, got into a relationship, and, you know, there they were all in jail, including the jailer. They were all singing praises to Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that's the only place you can <laughs> think of those things. But we do get into those places, don't we? It doesn't have to be literally a, a, a jail or a prison, but there are times in our lives that are so uh, deeply harming or deeply disturbing that we kind of have to get our bearings by hanging on to something. I mean, if you've ever been on a cruise before, you know that they give you a lot of things to hang on to. <laughs> Going down the hall in a, in a storm, you know, back and forth, they got rails everywhere. And uh, sometimes we use them. And so when life gets bumpy, tumultuous, uh, rocky, uh, there's that story in the Gospel of Mark where uh, Jesus says, come on, let's go to the other side. And they all get in the boats, and of course the great storm comes. And uh, in the middle of that storm, of course, Jesus says, after he calms down the storm, he looks at his disciples and says, what are you afraid of? They, get, they, they do get to the other side. And, of course, that, that question kind of lingers not only over that text, but also over this text that we're looking at today. And uh, it is almost like a benediction. And for those of you who are in, um, in the Bible study, you might be interested to hear uh, that the Apostle Paul uses 
uh, a list of virtues that come from the Greeks. And these are all Greek virtues here in verse 8. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. So um, Paul tries to make the uh, distinction b between bragging and uh, just sort of staying, uh, you know, giving the facts. Paul wants them to look at his life as an encouragement uh, that he, Paul, was able to center himself on Jesus Christ and the Lord being near in such a way that it didn't matter to him where he was. I mean, this whole thing about singing hymns in prison. And that was, uh, we, we saw the prison of, of, of that era, I think, in Rome uh, somewhere, and it was just a hole in the ground, and they kind of lifted things down. And, of course, they would try to imagine, you know, the Apostle Paul uh, being in a, in, a, in a jail like that. Who knows? Uh, but there were no rights for those who were jailed. Uh, and the only reason that Paul wasn't executed earlier is that he was a Roman citizen. And he reminded them of that. People who came and arrested him and put him in jail, he says, I am a Roman citizen, therefore I have rights, he would say. So he held firm on his attitude toward those in authority and power. And uh, he would say, yeah, I am a... I am a, a citizen of the empire, but he would also say that he was the system, uh, he was a citizen of um, God's kingdom as well. And God's kingdom is very different uh, from the kingdoms of this world. And sometimes we get so caught up in the drama of stuff that we forget that there are things that we can hang on to, and things that are not just, you know, like a plank in the ocean that we can hang on to. These are things that can steady us steady our lives and give it not only balance but also you know, purpose. So uh, Paul says, look at me. Look at me. Follow me. Of course, that's what Jesus said too. Follow me. And Jesus uh, is the character in the New Testament that is sort of the dramatic example of how God deals with us all the time in very non-democratic, uh, non-troubling words. See, my, my mind still isn't quite on, <laughs> on this week. So I think we need to be together uh, during this time. We need to worship together. We need to be reminded who we are and what, what we are meant to do uh, as the Brea Congregational Church. And you know, Michael said it very well, you know, you don't get that extra just anywhere. You can sometimes, but, but here it's intentional. Here we come with the intention of embodying these virtues that Paul embodied and in which he found a great deal of hope. It kept him going.
through very, very difficult times. And so, uh, what we're left with is that there, he says, if there is any good in the world, anywhere, think on those things. Think on those things. And so, as we move forward as a church, uh, we will be, we'll, we'll start another discussion. Given the world as it is, the culture in which we live, you know, what is God calling us to be as a church, a congregation now? Not a year from now or two years ago, but now. Because, because, because the Lord is near. May God bless each one of us and may God bless our congregation, the Brea Congregational Church. Will you join me in prayer? The birth of a child, the beautiful persistent new morning, breaking in pink and purple and azure blue, crisp air filled with chirping bird, the touch of a mother's hand on ours, sweet and strong. These are the things upon which we will think. The living tones of the choir held across notes half and whole, whole indeed as they like us rise and fall, blend and live, the crescendo of the eternal. Those beloved to us, spouse or child or sibling who have passed before us but who are still vivid in our hearts, those who are yet to live, precious and whole. We think on them all. This very moment, unique and ordinary, intense and quiet, the inward breath, the outward voice, we reach across time and quirk, a ripple in time, a crease on the heart, reaching to touch our true selves as much as others. On these things do we think. We think this morning also of the promise of wholeness offered to all, and in our hearts we hold closely those among us who are of special concern. We trust you, God, who is always good. We trust that just as you offer the divine self to us in this moment, because you are near, you will always offer to us the fullness of love and creativity we come to you with thanksgiving. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, we fill our minds and our hearts, our homes and relationships, our country and our culture with thoughts of these good things. It is our charge, it is our work, it is our hope. United as that family of hope, we pray this morning using the words that Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.